Well, thank you. Um, about 11 years ago, David Harwood, which a lot of you people here know, called me and told me that this um, guy was moving from Israel to the States and was looking to put together a board, needed a treasure, and would I be interested? At the time, I was so involved in so many things, I said, I'm really not interested, but I'll just go ahead and meet with him. And I, meet with, I met with him and went back and prayed about it and really felt like the Lord wanted me to, and that was like almost 11 years ago. So, um, Zeb Navo is the name of our speaker, and I highly recommend the ministry and what it's doing. So, I wanted to just do real quick. There's a table out there. It says $20 everything. It doesn't mean everything on the table for $20, okay? Um, there's a few different shirts. This is one that I think is pretty cool. You probably wouldn't look as good in it as I do, but I think you'll, you'll do well with it. Um, but this one's a cool one. He also has a Here, O Israel CD. He doesn't look like it, but he's a rock star. So all the songs on here have been written by him and performed by him and sung and all that, which is, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, and then this is the most important thing I want to mention. This is a card, and I'm going to uh, ask you to go to the table and fill this out after the service. This will allow you to be on his newsletter. It'll give you information if you want to support and donate to the ministry. And I think after he shares some of the stuff, he's doing stuff in Israel that nobody else is doing. And he had to actually move out of Israel to be able to do it in Israel. It's kind of interesting. So um, I highly recommend, please fill out one of these cards. You won't get bombarded as being asked for money and so on and so forth, but you will be kept abreast of what's going on in Israel and in the ministry. Um, most people know that on the food chain, the best Jews are us New York Jews. Okay, that's just kind of a given, right? New York Jews are best. But the only one above us would be Sabras, which are Jews born in Israel. And Ze'ev is a Sabra. So if we could uh, ask you to come on up, Zev, I don't think I missed anything. Did I? Oh, there's also some Jewelry out there if you want to get some of that. Zev's funny too. He's just not as funny. So you want to come up, Zev? <laughs> and you pronounce his name Zev Nevo, but if you can't do that, just call him Zevo Nevo. All right? All right, I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for my brother. Thank you so much for his heart, for his people, and for all of Israel. Thank you so much for this church that loves your land, Lord. And we just pray for an anointing on Zeev. We pray that the words that he speak would truly touch our hearts. Give us a morsel of food, Lord, that can change our lives and produce fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's your water. Shalom, y'all. I've been practicing for 11 years, I can say that. Um, let me get situated here for a second. I have to say, I'm, came here, I was here before I came this morning. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to be with you. I was really moved by the worship. And at the same time, I was a, I was a little bit confused. There are so many things I want to share with you. And... I don't know who was that wonderful sister that's Sue Curly. Where are you? Thank you. You really helped me when you prayed, uh, when you brought up that verse from um, 
Where did you do that? Okay, from John 17. He said in verse 20, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you. Father are in me and I in you. And this is just kind of captured what I want to share with you here today. Because here I am. I'm Jewish. I'm from Israel. I was born to a secular family in Jerusalem. My dad is a Holocaust survivor. He came to Israel when he was 12. His entire family, including his parents, brothers, sisters, all died in Auschwitz. I carry the name of my grandfather, Ze'ev, who died in Auschwitz. He was way younger than I am today. He had a two-year-old sister called Hadasta. And my dad really wanted a son. He, well, he wanted children in general. Had my sister. It took a lot of effort until I decided to come. It took about nine years and many miscarriages between me and my sister. My dad was 45 when I was born. My mom was 41. And yes, Jerusalem, but as I mentioned, secular. I didn't believe in God. I didn't know if my parents believed in God. We didn't really express it in any way, in any religious way uh, whatsoever. But 27 years after I was born, uh, I came to faith in Jesus. Uh, It happened when I lived in London. It's a story. You can see my testimony online if you you want on the ministry website. It's a brief testimony that shares that story. But for my dad, it was very, very difficult that his only Jewish son that eventually came to carry the family name, carrying his dad's name from Auschwitz and everything. Now you believe in who? In Jesus? This is like Christian. This is not for the Jewish people. At least that's what he thought. And I knew well enough, although I was a believer for about a month, I knew well enough that me as a Jewish man, believing in Yeshua, There's nothing more Jewish that I can do. I didn't lose my Jewish identity. Now I'm a true Jew. The name Judah derives from from the root of of thanksgiving. If you remember Leah, when she bore her her fourth son, she named all her sons. You can read it in Genesis. When she came to Judah, she basically named him Judah from where we are Jews, you know, from Judah, because now she thanked God for her, for her son. The first three sons, she was more concerned about the love of her husband. They didn't prefer her over her sister and all that. Eventually, at the fourth child, she just named him. She forgot about, about all that, and she just focused on God and said, I thank you, I thank you. So being a Jew is the being really, spiritually, I believe, is being one that is thankful for God. Believes in God and thankful for God. And it's so wonderful to look around and to live our lives just being thankful about everything. I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here with you today. I thank you for my amazing brother, Dean. That's seen me through ups and downs and everything. And was always there for me. So, so why do I bring that verse? Because it says here that... That Yeshua was praying not for you alone, but for all of those who will believe in me through their word. I mean, through your word, through our word, just like you said. Others need to believe. And I realized when, when the burden of the salvation of my people came into my heart uh, very strongly. I was in advertising for 
10 years. I left it. I became a missionary in Israel on the ground for four years doing media things for the ministry I was with for a while. And then I realized that it's very clear that the gifting and the calling that God has given me is the 10 years of advertising and the four years of being a missionary put together. And that's the reason why I moved here 11 years ago to start a ministry that does just that. Because I realized I can stand on street corners in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem 24-7 and hand out gospel tracts and, and have conversation and opposition and police comes and it's such a mess and it's a blah, 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 blah. And the religious people wouldn't even speak with me because they don't want anyone to see them speaking, you know, with a missionary about Yeshua. The internet gives us the opportunity to penetrate every house in Israel, religious or secular, to have a, a meaningful a relationship, a conversation and to to make everything very accessible for everybody in Israel. Because the New Testament, which I was shocked 22 years ago, that it even exists in Hebrew. I mean, who needs, who needs that in Hebrew? It's like, do you have the Quran in Hebrew? No, because you don't need it in Hebrew. So why have the New Testament? It's the same thing for Jewish people. But, 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 but I realized that because the New Testament in Hebrew does not even exist, I mean, the translation exists, but it's not accessible because it's not in bookstores. I mean, you go to bookstores in Israel, you cannot find the New Testament in Hebrew. Yeah, maybe in a little small ministry stores, maybe three or four throughout all Israel, you can have that if you walk in, they'll give it to you for free. But people don't necessarily get to those four little stores, you know, in Israel. It needs to be more accessible, and that's why we started... Uh, Quite a few years ago, a project called Hear O Israel, which you can see information on the card that you're going to hopefully take from the table after the service. It takes chapter by chapter from the New Testament in Hebrew with, of course, narration, animation and music and makes it sound and feel Jewish because the message is Jewish. The gospel is to the Jew first and only to the Gentiles. It's not something that is foreign to Israel. It needs to come to Israel right now. It may be perceived like that today, but originally Yeshua came to the Jew first. He told his disciples to go to the Jew first. Paul wrote, was the apostle to the Gentiles, and he said that we should go with the gospel to the Jew first, and he exercised that. You can see it throughout the book of Acts. Everywhere he went, he went first to the Jew, first to the synagogue. But here's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say, I can do my very, very, very best. But I found in Scripture the formula for success in reaching Israel with the gospel. And you know what it is? It's you. And I will explain and show you why from Scripture. We'll talk today about the concept of provoking the Jews to jealousy. This is a term that uh, Paul, Shaul... Uh, was talking about in the gospel, uh, in the letter to the Romans. If you know Romans 9, 10, and, and 11 is primarily, it's really talking about Israel and God's plan of salvation and how he's going to use the other nations, the Gentiles, to provoke the Jews to jealousy. And before we jump into scripture, I want us to watch a testimony. We do a lot of media projects. I'll mention some of them. You can see them on the website I mentioned here Israel. Another one is Free and Messiah. It's testimonies of people that came to faith in Yeshua. Now, other, um, other uh, ministries or people that 
film testimonies to reach Israel, they're focused on, on, on producing testimonies of Jewish people like myself or like Dean that came to faith in Yeshua. But I realized, yeah, that's great, but it's not enough because the scriptures, you know, specifically say, you know, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's saying, no, this is great, the Jewish testimonies, but what about all the nations? Because God called the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy. I want us to see one testimony of a Jewish man. He lives not too far from Charlotte. He's about 80 today. I filmed him about a year or two ago. His name is Mark Levy. And I think it's worth the time that we're going to spend watching that short testimony because it really brings to life. You see a real person and you will see how God used non-Jews to bring him to saving a faith in Yeshua. So if you would please play Mark Levy's testimony well, over there, and then uh, we'll jump into scripture. Will that be possible? a little younger than me that golfed with me all the time, and their mother was uh, a Jewish lady, about 45 years old, uh, married to extreme wealth, uh, a wonderful lady, just a, the, one of the sweetest people I've met in my life. Uh, I golfed with... Her and, and uh, the boys, uh, uh, all of a sudden I heard that she uh, took sleeping pills uh, and, and, and committed suicide. Uh, this just was such a shock. If there was anyone in this world that wouldn't do a thing like that, I would think it's her. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. And uh, from that point on, I began to wonder why I'm here. What's the purpose of life? Is it just to be wealthy in, in, in the United States and uh, uh, live out 80 years and die? And that's the end of it. Uh, and I, I just uh, struggled uh, on the purpose of life. I'm Mark Levy. Uh, this is my story. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, uh, 1942, January. Brooklyn Jewish Hospital. Uh, we then uh, moved to White Plains, New York. Uh, my dad was Russian Jew. Uh, he wanted 14 children. Uh, two died uh, in the war, and uh, they came over here. They had to get out of Russia. There was tremendous persecution, uh, and they landed uh, in Boston Harbor and then came down to New York and Staten Island. Uh, my mom... Uh, had German uh, Jewish parents uh, that got out of Germany. Um, uh, well, fortunately, uh, this, this was uh, back around uh, 1908 and 1910, that area. So uh, there was a big influx into the United States at that time for Jews. And uh, so our identity uh, was always... Uh, with other Jewish people. Uh, there was a wonderful covering for Jews. Uh, there, there was uh, always someone ahead of the family that would help someone in trouble, no matter who that person was. Whether we liked them or we didn't like them, they were still family. Well, in my teenage years, uh, I became a real golf fanatic. Uh, that probably kept me out of trouble from many other things. I was the youngest winner of the club championship. And then something happened 
when I was 19 uh, that just changed my focus. I, here I had everything, uh, had a good family, uh, was kind of known for the golfing. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, there was a wonderful Jewish woman uh, in her mid-40s, beautiful woman, and with two nice sons and a, and a husband. They were extremely wealthy. Uh, I heard suddenly that she overdosed on uh, sleeping pills and uh, committed suicide. I began to see that, that uh, there wasn't a purpose for this life. There was, it was a terrible void and emptiness uh, that I felt that I couldn't get rid of. It was always there. Her death just compounded it. And uh, then I began uh, probably 13 years of, of searching why I'm here. As I got through my 20s, successful in business, uh, marriage, children, nothing, nothing took away the unrest that was just sitting on me, just couldn't get rid of it. Um, I tried to forget it, walk away from it. Uh, every time I turned around, there was another Gentile person uh, that would tell me about being born again. I didn't even know what it meant. Uh, they just said that Jesus changed their life completely. Uh, that he came in their heart uh, and what they were and what they are now. Uh, and there was a, a shine in their eyes. Uh, there was something about them that was different than my family. Just something different. Uh, every, every time I tried to forget this, I, I'd run into another one on an airplane or a babysitter or uh, you're just a, a car dealer. Someone sold me a car and, and I, I knew he was different. Didn't know what was different about him. Uh, and, and as I got it into my early 30s, it got to the point where I wanted to know if this was true or if it was nothing. I enjoyed going to temple. Uh, I'd like uh, Judaism. Uh, I'd like Sabbath services. Uh, but I, I still had the unrest. I couldn't get rid of it. The only hope I had was that through Jesus, there was reality. You could meet God. I began to search, and I wanted to get it what I would call over with. Either you make a decision to, to repent or you don't. Uh, I had a terrible time with belief because I, I didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God. Well, since I had five to six Gentiles that witnessed Jesus to me over, over these 13 years, there was one very special person that didn't talk about Jesus. He prayed for me one day, as, uh, uh, and he was in his 80s. And the, there was such a love and a presence around this man that I've never seen on anyone else. And uh, he just laid hands on me one day and began to pray for my soul. And it was so powerful. And when I walked away, I got saved. That was about two weeks before I, I experienced the Lord in my life. Uh, that prayer was just so powerful. It just drew me. 
I just knew he, he knew God. No question. Uh, it, it was just, uh, he just walked with the Lord so close. Uh, it was such a special event for me. Uh, and uh, uh, I just, uh, I would hope and pray that we all have someone praying for us like this person. Because uh, we get drawn. Thank God he draws us. If he didn't draw us, I don't think we, any of us would be hopeless. Uh, I, I can remember uh, being uh, uh, at night. I'd be sitting on my bed, and they gave me a little booklet called The Four Laws. I, uh, you could read it in, in one minute. And I, I pray, I looked at these different laws on your way to God. And I thought the Holy Spirit might come through the roof or something. I, I, I was just scared about it, yet I wanted it. So I had to come to a decision to either, either forget it, I, I just couldn't forget it, or do something. And it was, never forget the day, July 14th, 1974, was the night that uh, I, I repented of my sins. I, I used the word if. If Jesus is really the Son of God, if he's really the only person in the world that was sinless, uh, if it was his blood that was shed for all of us, uh, then I, I asked, I said, Lord, I repent of my sins and please take over my life. Please give me purpose. Give me a reason for being here. And uh, he came in. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit came in that, that night. Oh, about 9.30 at night on July 14, 1974. I've had 45 years he's lived in my heart. That unrest left. Uh, that anxiety left. Um, and I just knew he was real. Uh, and what a friend to have. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. Never. Always wanting to help you always wanting to clean you up. Uh, and he's so patient with us. He is so patient. He loves each and every one of us. And we don't deserve it. None of us do. But he's always there, always there for us. After I experienced salvation, now I've been 45 years that I know the Lord. 45 years. I was 32 and a half years without him, and I'm 45 years with that peace that passes all understanding uh, every single day. Uh, he never leaves you, ever. You can make mistakes, and you get a rumble, but it's not the unrest that you had before. Uh, it's just a conviction to repent and, and get straight, but you always have him. You can never lose him. Uh, you can you can hurt your, the Lord when you go away from him. But he's always there to pick up the pieces and bring you back. He'll never forsake us. Uh, we all get troubled. It's a troubled life. But with him... Every single day, you, you never have to worry. He's always there for you. He's your best friend. 
He's the one. He is the only one that you can trust all the time. Unfailing. Un unfailing love. So I, I just hope you search. If you're listening to this, don't stop searching until you find the truth. There's no religion that'll do it. Only Jesus. Only Yeshua. Yeshua in Hebrew. One who saves will, will heal you and change your life. That's not a random person for me. That's my father-in-law. And uh, he's instrumental in me even being in the United States uh, and coming here. And uh, it's a long story, but... Uh, Anyhow, so, so what am I trying to, to get into your heart today? I'm trying to get into your heart. That you are called and anointed specifically for Israel to come to faith. Of course, for all, everybody. But scripture is very clear. And, and I want us now to come and, and see that. Let's see. I have until what time? 11.45? Till 12. Okay, I'll just speak fast. Okay. So, okay. I want to start at Romans, then go with you to Deuteronomy, and then go back to Romans. Okay, I think that'll make the most sense. So if, if we go to Romans 11, Romans 11, um, I need my glasses now. Okay. Romans 11, um, let's say verse 11. Uh, I say then, Paul, Shaul is writing to the uh, believers in Rome, and he says, I say then, have they, he's talking about Israel, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Why? To provoke them to jealousy. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, if Israel falls, is riches for the world, and they, their failure reaches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Do you understand what happened? Israel as a whole rejected the Messiah. Of course, all the disciples at the beginning were Jewish people. We only get to Acts chapter 10 until a non-Jew comes to faith. And this is like, whoa, really? Can they believe in our Messiah as well? So, so Jews were the first, obviously, to believe. The first church is Jewish. It's on the Feast of Pentecost when all the Jewish men come to Jerusalem as one of the three feasts that all men should come to Israel. And then the Holy Spirit falls. It's all, you see all those nations that came? There is a long list of people. It's Jewish people that live abroad that, you know, obeying the law came to Jerusalem on Pentecost. And so this is the church. But then as a whole, Israel rejected. The religious leaders rejected Yeshua, just like was prophesied before. Both in Isaiah chapter 53, that we will hide our face from him and not esteem him, esteem him not. And we're also going to see that in Deuteronomy. That was all in God's 
plan of salvation. He knew that. He knew the Messiah is Jewish. Yeah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Judah, and David. You see Matthew chapter 1. And, and then the Messiah will come. He's Jewish. Yet he's God. And then the, the Israel, some of it believe, most will reject. And then he will send the disciples to reach every creature around, around the world. You share the gospel with every creature. But is that the end of the story? Not at all. Because it starts up here in Jerusalem. Yes. And then it goes around the world and all the, the nations believe in Jesus. And then the, the nations should provoke the Jews to jealousy and bring the gospel back to Jerusalem, back to the Jewish people. If you remember Matthew chapter 23 at the end of the chapter, Yeshua is prophesying over Jerusalem. And he's saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you. Remember, like, cheeks under my wings and all that. And then he says to Jerusalem, he says, you will not see me again. Who is he talking about? He's talking to Jerusalem. He's talking to the people of Jerusalem, the city of David, the, the place of the temple. This is like the center of being Jewish. He's talking to Jewish people. And he says, you will not see me again until... Meaning you will see me again, but something needs to happen before. You will not see me again until you, Jewish people in Jerusalem, will say, quoting Psalms 118, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So the, 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 the coming of, of Jesus, it's not going to happen until then according to what he said. So obviously it should not be stuck here with us, you know, in this beautiful place. No, we should bring the gospel back to Israel. Because if we want to be used by God, if we want him to come back, you know, if we want to be part of his plan of redemption, that's what we're called to do. Now, provoking, okay? Now, Paul, as you know, was an Orthodox Jew. You know, that almost doesn't make sense. You take like the Pharisee of the Pharisees that knows everything with the law, with the oral law that doesn't really mean anything. He knew everything about Judaism. You take that person, instead of arguing or trying to convince or witness to Jewish people, no, no, you go to the Gentiles. They don't know anything about everything, all the knowledge that he gained from, from Judaism, from being a Pharisee. But no, he called them, he called Paul to go to, to the Gentiles. And, and yet, like I mentioned before, he went first to the Jew in every opportunity that he had. Now, his knowledge in scripture, when he says provoking the Jews to jealousy, I want us to go together to the Torah, to the book of Deuteronomy, to see where he's, what he's talking about. He didn't come up with the phrase. That's actually something that Moses said, Moses wrote. Actually, that was a song. That was a song that God instructed Moses to write. And that comes at the end of the law. We'll see that Moses wrote the law, all, all, everything that God told him, it says, Moses wrote. And then he also wrote that song. That was part of the law. It's almost the, the finale for the law is a song. Isn't that beautiful? So that song is prophetic. And in that song that is kind of the, the very end of the law, we're going to find that phrase. So I just want us to, to go there for a second and, and see a few things here. So if we go to Deuteronomy, this is actually in chapter 32, but I want us to have verses in chapter 31 first. So it's Deuteronomy chapter uh, 31. Uh, 
Let's see the context. Uh, chapter 31, the beginning, it says, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. And also the Lord said to me, You shall not cross over uh, this Jordan. So, so Moses is already 120 years old. He knows he's not going to go into the land of Israel, and Joshua will be the one uh, that, that will do that. And then God instructs him over here. It says, uh, it's interesting. Um, in verse 10, chapter 31, verse 10, it says like that. And Moses commanded them, Israel, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacle, when all Israel come to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Israel needed to hear. I mean, they didn't have Bibles like today and they didn't have like apps and all that, right? So they had to, to be in, in a place that someone can read the law to them. And it says, gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you crossed the Jordan to hear. And that's, so the concept of hearing, it's, we know also from Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by proclaiming the word of God. It says Christ in Greek. So it's the gospel. It's sharing the God. Well, the gospel is also the, New, the Old Testament. You know, back then in the first century, the New Testament wasn't written yet. Yet they went and shared the gospel. The gospel, you can see all the gospel in the Old Testament, right? It's all prophesying about the coming of the Messiah, about his death, his, his burial, his resurrection, the rejection of Israel, going to the nations, from the nations. back to All that is already written, the gospel, in, in the Old Testament. And that's why we call that first project that I mentioned, Hear O Israel, with the New Testament online in videos because faith comes uh, by hearing. Now, let's see here in verse 19, chapter 31, verse 19, it says, and it says, Now, therefore, write down this song. That song that he was instructed to write. Now he, say, he needs to write down this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths. They need to say it. They need, when, the, when, the, when that song is in their mouth, what happens? They say it. They also hear it, right? <laughs> in order to hear it, it needs to be expressed somehow. So he said, put it in their mouth. That this song, why? May be a witness. That song is a witness. Be a witness for me against the children of Israel. Because God already knew, Moses knew, God knew that once Moses is going to die, I mean, he knew all the trouble that they did while he was alive. He said, even more so, when I'm not here, you're going to rebel, you're going to forsake God, you're going to go to other gods, and all that is part of that song. Now, that's, and, and then in verse 30, it says, Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel the words of this song uh, until they were ended. I mean, 
he needed to read that song just like he needed to read the Torah, the law. He needed to read that song that he wrote from the beginning till the end for everybody to, to hear. Now, we're not going to go over all the song for the sake of time. But he starts by, give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. Give ear, listen to this, give ear, O heavens. It's like, like the heavens need to hear that song. Okay, give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Then in verse 4, it says, he is the rock, and we're going to bump into that word quite a few times here in the song. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. It says here, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. And then it says here that Israel, on the other hand, they have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish. A preserve and crooked... Thank you. He knows everything I need. Thank you. You know why I'm doing this? I almost cried before when I watched the testimony. Every time I preach, I cry. Almost. It's a problem. Okay. They have corrupted themselves. They are not... His children because of their blemish. A preserved and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord of foolish and unwise people? So he's calling Israel foolish and unwise people. Is he not your father? Moses is writing in the song. Is he not your father who brought you? Has he not made you and established you? Then, okay, let's get to here. Let's jump to verse uh, 15. So he describes, I mean, how, how basically they just disobey God and went without the gods. And then he says in verse 15, even though God blessed them and gave him everything that he promised, it brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey. All that happened. God is faithful to his word. But Israel rebelled and, and went astray. So in verse 15, it's interesting. It says, but Jeshurun grew fat and kicked kicked you grew fat you grew thick you are obese then he forsook god and made him forsook god who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation did you hear that he says that israel scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation his Yeshua, his Jesus, his salvation. He will, he will um, in Hebrew, it's like he's cursing. And that's exactly what religious Jews are doing. You try to witness to them, they, they spit on the side. They hear the name Yeshua, they curse and they spit. That's the tradition. So that's exactly what it says here, that, that they will scornfully esteem the rock of their uh, salvation. Next verse. They provoked, they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. Israel provoked God to jealousy. Why is that? Anyone here was in love before? I guess so, right? So, do you know jealousy? I mean, why are we jealous? I mean, I'm not talking about what, what's the word of the, ten, the last day of the Ten Commandments. It's not like you want something that someone else has you're not supposed to have. It's not covet, right? This is jealousy. This is because you love someone or, you know, and they're going with someone else. 
Jealousy is kind of holy when you think about it. I mean, if it's based out of love and it's not covet, right? It's jealousy. God is a jealous God. Why? Because he looks at Israel as his bride. Now it's the church. Whoever is uh, grafted into the olive tree, Romans 11, is part of the same. You know, it's the same bride. But he calls initially, before the New Testament, he called Israel his bride. He's the husband. Okay? Also, God calls Israel my born son. In Exodus chapter 4, when God called Moses to go to uh, Pharaoh to let uh, his people go, he said, he's take, talking to Pharaoh and he's t- telling, to, telling him that, that Israel, God is saying that Israel is, God is telling Moses to tell Pharaoh and he's telling Moses that, that Israel is his firstborn son. And therefore, because God is jealous He's jealous because he's the husband. He's jealous because he's the father, both concerning Israel. And what did he say to Pharaoh? You mess up with my son, I'm going to kill every firstborn of yours. So God is jealous, right? God is jealous. And, And God wants Israel also to be jealous. We think of jealousy as being immature. No, it's not. It's godly. Hey. You know, we can be jealous if it's for the right reasons. So he says here, they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods, with abominations, they provoked him to anger. And then it goes into details, they sacrificed to demons and not to God, and so and so forth. Um, and then it says verse 18, of the rock, of the rock who begot you, you are un- un- unmindful. And have forgotten the God who fathered you. Now it says here. Let's go to verse 21. And that, that's where we were aiming. Verse 21 in chapter 32 in Deuteronomy. It says, They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. God is saying. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. Then it says, But I will provoke them to jealousy. I will provoke, where am I? But I, with the glass, it's kind of a problem. But I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by foolish nation. Now, don't take it as an offense because earlier he called Israel foolish. So we're all foolish. Hey. But, uh, but he's saying, because they provoked me to jealousy, they went with other gods. I will provoke Israel to jealousy by they will see what Mark saw. They will see, wow, this person has such peace and rest and love. And and I just know there's something different about them. What is there to be jealous about the Holy Spirit in us? Without the Holy Spirit, we're like just like anyone else. If we're not born again and we have we died to self and we, we came back to life as a new creation, and they have the Holy Spirit, we are the temple of God. You can take the most religious Jew and he may circle around the truth and all that. You know, he may get a little bit of taste of that, but he doesn't have the Holy Spirit in him. You have the Holy Spirit when you're born again. He can only be born again through Yeshua, through the rock. There is no one else, right? For Jew, for Gentiles, for everybody, he is. Listen, if Yeshua is not the Savior of Israel, if he's not the one, You're all gathered here for nothing. Because he's not the Messiah for you as well. 
If he's not the Messiah and the Savior for Jewish people, if he's not that one that God promised to Israel, you just believe I don't know what, you know. But because he is, we all believe in the truth. And now, like my sister has said, we need to proclaim that and provoke others to jealousy in a good way because this is a love story. And, and in doing that love story, if one of the sides is kind of looking aside and going with and forgetting about the husband, or, you know, I mean, what, what's going on? The last verse in Deuteronomy chapter 2, and then we go back to Romans. It's, it's interesting. It says here, verse 43, that's how the song ends. This is the last verse of that song that should be a witness against Israel, right? And they needed, that's part of the Torah. They need to hear it uh, over and over again. That's how God made it that it will stay with them as a witness because it's part of what needed to be read. Okay, the last verse of the song, it says, Rejoice who? Israel? No. Rejoice, O Gentiles. That's the last part of the song. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. It's the one you man. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement. That's the last verse of the song. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. Israel the land. You know, Israel is not just the land. There's some people that are obsessed with the land of Israel. Yes, it's, I'm not minimizing that, but come on. We're talking about like eternity in hell or in heaven for people, you know, not for the land. Okay? Jesus came to save people, right? To, uh, to seek those who are lost. He came to, to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Not minimizing the land. It's crucially important. Without the land, Jesus will come back. His feet will touch in Zechariah, it says, on the, on, the, on the Mount of Olives. You must have that land. This is the land that God chose. It's amazing. Yes, but forgive me for being honest. I'm more concerned right now about the people. My parents both passed away. Both came to faith like 9, 10, 11 years after me. They are with Yeshua. I have a sister older than me. She's not a believer yet. You go to Israel. How many live in Israel? Almost 7 million Jewish people today. How many of us in Israel are saved? What would you think? About 200,000. Anyone else? I'll give you a CD if you're in, in, even close. You just got a CD. Yes. Out of 7 million in Israel, only about 20,000 or so are saved. Jewish. And Jesus is not coming back until, you know... Jewish people will stand in Jerusalem and welcome him back. Well, I did that for many years in Jerusalem. I prayed, Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai. Probably the threshold, is, the threshold is not there. God wants more of Israel. More. We, need a lot, we need to do a lot of sharing. We need to do a lot of provoking the Jews to jealousy to get to this point. And what about all the other dads and the moms and the uncles and the brothers and the sisters? I mean... My friends from elementary school, from high school, from the Israeli army. What about them? They need to hear. We cannot save anybody, anyone. But we can share the gospel with everybody if we're just bold enough with the gospel. Okay. Back to, uh, I have eight more minutes for Romans. And now let's see 
Paul's heart, if we go throughout the book of Romans, starting from Romans 1. Praise God. I was so confused. I didn't know what I was. And somehow it, you know, God, God, <laughs> without him, I, I, we're all nothing. So uh, if we go to uh, Romans 1. Uh, we mentioned it before, but let's start uh, verse 13. Uh, beginning of the letter to the Romans, Paul is saying, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that, of, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. He's an apostle to the Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greek and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Verse 16. For some reason, and I've been attending churches here, I've been all over. This verse is one of the verses that we really like to uh, quote from the pulpit. Most of the time, we only uh, quote the first half of the verse. And so I want us to read the full verse, if you don't mind. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Messiah, for it is the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. It's not our power. We're just an instrument to proclaim it, like a shofar, like whatever, like a channel on YouTube. We're just a channel, right? But, but the gospel that, that runs through that channel into the ear, that people can hear the gospel and get saved... The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That means it's not our power, but we, in a sense, have the power to release that power that is within us. Like my sisters mentioned from John 17 before. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Comma. Not period. Comma. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, Romans 8, I think most of us will agree it's one of the greatest chapters in Scripture. No? I mean, come on. What can be better than that? Nothing. I mean, that talks about, you know, the cause of jealousy. It talks about, you know, no condemnation, peace, you know, the Holy Spirit in us. Even praying for, for us and through us. And everything is amazing. And then it ends with amazing promises. Verse 31 in Romans 11 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I know it's, sometimes it's, we're too familiar with the verses. So we're like, oh, okay, you hear it again. No, 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 no. Listen. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No one. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. 
Who shall spare us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 37. Yet in all these things, in all the messes of life, in all the things that did, you didn't expect to happen to you and boom, it happened. What do you do? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God who is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. If I wanted to end the book, I would end right here. Because it's amazing. What do you want? A better ending than that? No, it's great, it's fantastic, it's amazing, I'm good. But the next verse, and mind you, it's in the next chapter, but Paul didn't write chapters. That was a division that was made later. So it's not even, okay, let's stop here and let's study the next chapter next Sunday. It's not the case. It's just the next verse in the same letter, okay? So from that height of amazingness, if there is a word like that, What is the next verse? Romans 9 verse 1. I tell you the truth in Messiah. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. That I have great, what? Sorrow. Sorrow? Why sorrow? It's so amazing. We just said. It's, nothing can be better than that. No, he says, I'm not lying. I, it's the witness of the Holy Spirit in me. It's not even me speaking. It, it's God in me. It's the Holy Spirit that gives me great sorrow. Why? Great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Messiah. For who? For my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are the Israelites. God called him to the Gentiles. And he's doing that faithfully. Yet going to the Jew first. Because that's a, it's like the algorithm for evangelism kind of thing. Yeah. Even if you want to reach the Gentiles. It's going to do so much better when you, reach, when you also reach Israel. When, when you reach, it's, like, wow. it's like a tap water. You want the water. You, know, you open the tap. The water comes from here. You know, it's like the salvation. Like Yeshua said to the women at the well. Salvation is, is from the Jews, right? There's no other place. He's coming from this genealogy. He's Jewish. He's coming back Jewish, by the way. It's from here. In the same way, it says now it needs to flow from us nations back, back to Israel, um, to, the Jew, to the Jew first. Now, uh, almost done, uh, Romans 10, verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, it's that they may be saved. For I bear... So obviously they're not saved. You know, some Christians that love Israel support millions and billions and billions. <laughs> they don't share the gospel just politically and all that. Hey, you are supposed to share the gospel. It, you, you can love the Jews to hell if you just love them without sharing the gospel. You know what I'm saying? It says... For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they have 
They be in ignorance of God's righteousness, which is Yeshua, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Romans 11, and this is where we're going to end. Verse 1, it says, I say then, has God cast away his people? I mean, that's it. That's the end of Israel. Did their part. Okay, they failed. At least the rest of the world is saved. No, he says, certainly not. And he's giving himself as an example for I'm also an Israelite, seed of Abraham, tribe of Benjamin, and so forth. And then we go back to where we started. Romans 11, 11. It says it. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. You see, he's keeping saying, certainly not. Certainly not. Okay, everywhere. But through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, billions of souls are saved through that. Through Israel's fall and the obedience of the disciples, the Jewish disciples that died for the sake of sharing the gospel with the Navy. Yeshua died, right? For everybody to be saved. Then the disciples were willing to sacrifice their lives in order to reach India and to reach everywhere with the gospel. And it says here, so the riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles. It's very clear. There may be some Jewish people over there in Rome. Who knows? But he's directly saying, he's making it very clear. I'm saying this, if you're a Gentile and you have ears, I'm talking to you. And he's saying, I speak to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke them again, provoke them to jealousy, those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, of the word, world, world. What will their acceptance be but life from the death? For if the first fruit is holy, the lamp is also holy. And if the root is holy, are the branches. And then it says, and if some of the branches were broken off, and you, talking to the Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them, not instead of them, with them, became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Do not, do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root support you. And then later on, it says that God is able to graft them in again. But I have to wrap up here. I hope I was able to come across with what I'm trying to say here. Israel, one day all Israel will be saved. Scripture says that. What it exactly means, we can talk. But in God's eyes, not every Jew that ever lived. At a certain time, of course, there are Jewish people that are going to end up in hell, unfortunately. But my job, my mission, my task, my calling as a Jew, I just know it, is to share the gospel. Is to be here with you. And share that with you. So I can provoke you, hopefully, to provoke the Jews to jealousy with me together. Just like my sister has said, this is, those words, that prayer of Yeshua in, Genesis, in John 17, it's not just for the people that hear it now. It's for the people that believe when they hear our words. 
And I invite you to, to be a part of Dean's and I ministry, a very small ministry. We don't even have an office. If you give a dollar, it goes to, donation, to, to evangelism in Israel. People will hear the gospel. We don't spend money on any fancy nothing. I have my bag on my back. I do it for 11 years. I work from Starbucks or now from a little place at home. Then it's not like this is just, you know, going elsewhere. It's going to share the gospel. And I, I want to mention again the table outside and that card. I would really appreciate if you could please just fill up that card like capital letters, you know, clear. So I can understand what you said. Otherwise, I'm just like wasting my time. And, um, and so email, mobile phone, text messages with short updates and a link to something important that I would ask you to, to pray about and things like that. Of course, also by mail, you have examples of newsletter up there, including the uh, recent project that I'm super excited about, which is the Wow Bible. It's really something that was never happened before. That's why it's wow. You can get information from one of the brochures outside. And I invite you to be a part of that in prayer, in support, in every way that you, that you possibly feel led to do. We would really, really appreciate it. And I thank you for the opportunity to being with you here today. And I believe that God's word will not uh, uh, go in vain because we heard it and God is at work in us. And let's just agree together with amen that God will use us together to share the gospel with everyone, with the Jew first and also with the Gentiles. Amen. Yes. Father God, thank you. Father God. Father God, Father God, Father God, we love you, we love you. Abba Elohim, Toda. Thank you, thank you for saving us. Thank you for loving us so much that while we are still in our sins, while we are worshiping other gods, while we're doing the most horrible things that, that can, we can even imagine, you loved us at that point. And you were willing to reach out from heaven to us to send your son, Yeshua, your only begotten son to fulfill all your promises to Israel and through Israel so that all nations can come and be a part of the olive tree and come and be saved with Israel. I pray for the salvations of all the nations that are mentioned here. I pray for the salvation of Venezuela. I pray that a mighty work will be done this Christmas in Venezuela through this congregation in the name of Yeshua. Thank you for all the wonderful nations that introduced me to people from Venezuela and Colombia and America and all kinds of weird places and wonderful. This is, this is, the gospel is going to the ends of the, of the world. But now it's time, God, according to your scripture, to bring the gospel from all four corners of the world back to Jerusalem, back to your people, Israel. We pray for Israel's salvation. We trust you. We love you. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. Who was it who had the right answer on the CD? Who was it who had the right answer? Okay. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. It was the Holy Spirit. Michael Brown also sits on the board of this ministry, and I heard him once on the radio saying that when Jesus said, Baruch Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, 
he was saying it to Jews in Jerusalem. That's why there's such an intense battle to say that they're occupying someone else's land and they need to get out because they, this is, Satan knows when Jesus comes back, it will be to a Jewish inhabited Jerusalem. That's why even the land is so important. So, um, wow, that was awesome. That was awesome. All right. Zev and I will be out at the table if you want to buy any of the jewelry or sign up for the newsletter or purchase T-shirts or anything else and uh, look into supporting the ministry. Yeah, that was great, wasn't it? Wow. I just love that. Some twist on scriptures and bringing out some stuff that you don't normally hear. So, Lord, thank you today. And, wow, Holy Spirit, just seal this in our heart, Lord. Don't let the devil steal this precious word that was given to us today. We just thank you, Lord, and we just bless everybody, and Lord bless you, and thank you for coming today, and we will be seeing you soon. Bye-bye.